Hello and welcome to Too Fast, Too Forever. There's all kinds of family, we chose this one. This is episode 155, No Well from 2004. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe Too. And this episode is brought to you by alivingtribute.org. Plant a grove of trees in honor of someone. Enter code ED2021 at checkout for 20% off your gift when you plant multiple trees. Shout out to a living tribute. Well, shout out to a living tribute and Merry Christmas. Today is our Christmas episode. It's Festivus. Noel. Well, today is actually, when it releases, this is Christmas. Okay. Today is Festivus. Today is Festivus. It's a Festivus for the rest of us. On Friday, when this comes out, it is Christmas. And what better way to celebrate than with Noel, a movie <laughs> that Kara told us about and refused to join us for. We'll talk about that after the break, Joe. But first, extracurricular activities. What have you been up to since we last spoke? Rachel's been playing more Not Tonight, and it's pretty fun. It has, like, multiple months. It seems like it's going to have, like, three months where, like, Papers, Please was, like, one kind of month, right? This seems like it has three, but it's it's very similar, but also still fun. So we've been playing a little bit of that. On a semi-related note, I watched this um, video game documentary called insert coin i heard about this i have not seen it yet is it good it's pretty good um we were big fans of the netflix series high score that was a lot of fun to watch this is specifically about williams pinball which later became midway games that's the company that made games like Mortal Kombat and nba jam and it's like all those guys reminiscing about their times at williams pinball and like what they had become they were the first company to use this thing that you remember like terminator 2 like when the game came out like the game that would have like video like actual video Mm -hmm. pictures in it and then they would just kind of like move right so it talks all about stuff like that yeah and like mortal Kombat, obviously it was just fun it's just it's a fun watch if you if you're bored and you want something to watch it was like it was enjoyable i like the video game history stuff especially like the older stuff so yeah there's a lot of documentaries that came out lately that i feel i'm interested in but like nobody talks about like there's one called i think like the orange splat which is about nickelodeon shows from the 90s and oh, apparently i didn't hear about that that sounds interesting to me too good but like it's not it's less about the entire thing and more just like here's five minutes on this show here's five and like it's just kind of i don't know i haven't seen that yet i want to but i feel like it's now specifically hyper targeting our generation like earlier this year i watched who let the dogs out which was a documentary about the song because the baja men were like just the most famous ones to cover but like it had been recorded like dozens oh, of times before i didn't know so this that. guy did this whole like oral history of the song which was kind of interesting but it feels like the zeitgeist of the 90s is here. Nostalgia, man. We video live games for and Nickelodeon and Baja Men and whatever, right? So, Anyways, this one was fun. It's like a good background thing. I liked High Score better, generally, because High Score was like a little bit more spread around, right? Like they talked about like different eras of games and sure. Sega and so mm-hmm. all these things. Whereas like this was more just Midway games. But Midway games made a lot of games that we played. Anything else you've been up to? No, watching shitty reality tv getting ready for christmas like break kind of stuff just getting ready to like hunker down for a couple days that's about it i edited our incredibly long tune-up relapse recap which people heard the other day which was 320 raw got down to like 235 just like it's great it was crazy actually so today yes on high school slumber party i'm on brian's christmas episode as well for the movie better watch out which i don't know if i told you guys about but it was one that i thought Brian and I talked it. about like 
a year or two ago. You saw it, right? Because I did it in Film Club. Yes, yeah. You picked it for our Film Club, and I watched it, and Rachel and I loved it. Like, she actually just said this week that she wants to rewatch it for Christmas. Like, she really, really likes that movie. Yes, I'm, re- I'm ready to rewatch it, too. I highly recommend it. You did a great pick on that one. Yep. Thank you. So we talked about that today on High School Slumber Party. And then also on Wednesday, this past Wednesday, I released, uh, I edited and put out, no, not Wednesday, Tuesday. Hello. Because today's Wednesday as a recording. Yeah. But this, earlier this week, Mike and I recorded and put out an episode about Nicolas Cage's 100th movie, The Croods 2, a.k.a. The Croods A New Age. So Rachel was very impressed that you guys, she was like, holy shit, they already have an episode up. And I was like, well, what do you expect, lady? Like, Yeah, we recorded on Sunday, and then Mike had some computer issues. Like, normally I edit Cage, but while we're doing two of these a week, I'm like, hey, if you could do this, I would be very appreciative. He's like, no problem. And then he lost a bunch of progress on the episode he was editing, so I was just like, okay, I will. <laughs> do this don't worry about it so i just put it out on tuesday it's good like it's a fun movie it's not great but for what an animated sequel that is not straight to the straight to vod because it was in theaters and i think it was one of the if not the number one covid era box office thing like it won like two or three weeks in a row because like oh damn nothing else is out but yeah it came out like in november there and then they put it on vod this past weekend but for what that could be it's a lot better like it's a lot of fun there's nothing bad about it i just i enjoyed it so it's a nice fun breezy 95 minutes so yeah, I enjoyed that one. Cool. I might have to watch that too. I, I sometimes, you know, these animated movies, like when we were talking about Turbo, like we don't give them a shot because like I don't have like kid influences in the house, right? So yeah, like there are better ones. Like I wouldn't yeah. say start here, but if you're down the path, I would say this is the Croods was Nicolas Cage's by far his best animated movie, and this is okay. I don't know if it's as good because I don't remember it because I've only seen it once and that was forever ago, but. That's good. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, they're always just, like, they're fun, right? Like, they're fun and light. Like, there's definitely, like, great. There's definitely, what, intelligent ones, <laughs> for sure. But, yeah, most of the time, like, whenever I watch these animated movies, I'm like, oh, that was good, right? The important thing, I, I totally forgot that I, because I was just thinking about podcast-related stuff, but I finally, finally, finally watched Tenet, and I loved it. You did? Was it good? Should I watch it? Yeah, it's great. I think it's, it, it was a weird kind of thing, because, like, so many movies, and I think this is what, what it's going to be like for the next year, and I have kind of an update about that seeing a huge movie for the first time like it feels like this was not it shouldn't have been the first time that I saw this but mm. I was watching it on my big ass TV like it just feels like oh this is a huge movie because I think that's maybe like I didn't have a problem with it but it was one of those things where people are like I don't want to watch a movie at home I'd rather see it in the theaters because it does make it kind of feel like oh this is just it feels like a straight to Netflix movie not that that's a bad thing but like I it doesn't have saying. the spectacle as it maybe should have I don't know but yeah it's great yeah, that's that's a very interesting factor. Yeah. I mean, you know, like there's some movies that you like to see in theaters as they come out just for the, you know, like the IMAX experience kind of Dolby, whatever digital experience of it. And um, I, you're right. You're going to have a weird feeling when you see that for the first time at home and you're going to be like, oh, this feels a little strange. So because today the same feeling might happen when we watch Wonder Woman 84 because that is out today on Friday as this comes out. It oh, comes yeah. out at noon Eastern if people are listening to this before that. So noon, noon, noon o'clock today it's available. And then also Pixar's movie Soul is out today. So to pretty big movies that are free to watch assuming you have Disney Plus and you have Hulu so or no, Hulu HBO Max right yes. so I need to go fix my HBO Max mine's like messed up right now now is the time to do it I know also I was going to save it later but I can just talk about it now apparently Sony has seen quote a mini boom because or boon boom I don't remember which word they use they both they both apply here every creative who was like I want a theatrical experience is like going to Sony because they're not going to Warner anymore so interesting. It's an interesting kind of backlash that people are upset about Warner even though it's probably foretelling the future yeah maybe so Sony's one to keep an eye on in the future I guess I don't know so what so Sony says that they're gonna let them put it in theaters and not send it straight to 
DVD. Or right. VOD. Yes. But I think, you know, if you start a project now, like, a, say, a $100 million movie, it's likely not going to come out until the end of next year anyway, just based on, like, the, the cycle of everything, right? So, like, yes. it would probably come out. I think it's more of, like, a I trust you to do what's in the artist's best interest as opposed to whatever, right? So yeah, That'd be interesting, yeah. Things to keep an eye on into yeah. 2021 20, and beyond. We have a Patreon page here on the show, Too Fast, TooForever.com. Shout out to Cassie Wilson, Jake Freer, Ben Milliman, Nick Burris, Alex Ellen, and Justin Kleinman, Brian Rodriguez of High School Slumber Ooh. Party, Haley Gerbys, Wes Hampton, Christian Larson, Jerry Robinson, Dan the Duke, Hayden, Renato DiDonato, and Jessica Collins, a.k.a. Montez... Thank you all so much for supporting at the $5 level or above. Did you get some mail today, by the way? I did. So today, I'm opening mine now. In uh, our actual literal mailbag. An actual literal mailbag. We got Christmas cards from one Mr. Ben Milliman. Yes. Are you opening yours now? I already saw mine. I didn't want to spoil it for you. I just asked if he got mail. I'm looking That's right it. now. No money in the envelope. That's disappointing. <laughs> no. Oh, that's really nice. That's a beautiful baby. I know. Ben sent us a lovely Christmas card, a picture of his new baby, and it was super awesome. Thank you. Rachel was oogling over how cute your baby is, and trust me, she would tell you if she didn't think it was cute. I was thinking, you know, as I've gotten a bunch of Christmas cards this week because I have lots of friends, and I was like, <laughs> it feels it feels weird, like, I guess you just start sending Christmas cards again, like, when you have kids, kind of, maybe, or... I think that's it. I think it's more of, like, a kid's update. I've told you my Christmas card story, right? Maybe? Tell me again. We get Christmas cards for the family that lived in the house before we bought it. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And every... But this it's... feels right up your alley based on your interest in, like... Weird family uh, wanting pictures. random pictures, yeah. Absolutely. And we now have, like, six years worth of Christmas cards from this family that keeps sending them to us, and every year we get it. Like, when we got it in the mail last week, Rachel just, like, screamed. Like, I was in the bathroom. She was like, oh, my God, it's here. And I was like, what are you talking about? She was like, they sent us another Christmas card. And so, like, we have, like, the whole evolution of their children. It sounds creepier than it is. It's just that I really enjoy that they're just a family that I have no attachment to, and I get to, like, get their Christmas cards for no reason. It's awesome. That's very, very funny. I actually have uh, another piece of mailbag for us, too. A real-life mailbag. What is it? Kara asked me for my my address like a week ago and I was like here you go and like that was all like she just messaged me and then you know I didn't say anything else and I wasn't sure what she was going to send me I don't know if it was going to be like a thing or a card or whatever so she sent me a note oh it's to you as well okay she said it's on the front it says Joey or no hello it doesn't say my name on the front That that's terrible um, it says 2020 crappy holidays I'm going to send you a picture of this it's the poop emoji with googly eyes okay or you know stuck on there so oh yeah Facebook. this is handmade too this is cute oh yeah no she's very artsy so she says joey i'm sorry this year has been such a shit show i'm ho- i hope you're able to find some light this holiday season if not here's some of the end of this very long tunnel i can't wait to podcast with you again irl after we finally get vaccinated stay fast stay furious cara p.s Thank you and Joe for Too Fast Too Forever. It's been a real bright spot for me over the past year. Plus, awesome. she puts in parentheses, that's a plus sign. Also, happy birthday. Well, that last part's just for me, but. Yes. Thank you, Kara. I hope that was okay that I read it on air, but it all seemed it was very sweet. wonderful and joyous and sweet. Yeah. Kara is great. She was cracking me up. She said she was like baking a bunch of cookies today, and I'm really jealous. And I cannot wait until Kara and us can podcast together, hopefully Fast 9, do a live episode with Kara, and I think that will be a blast because I miss her, and I would like to see her, and thank you for the card, Kara. Thank you, thank you. If you want to send us a card, email us, family at cageclub.me. <laughs> yeah. I don't really necessarily, like, look, here's the thing, we've said this before, like, Ben lives in Alaska. If he's going to murder us, like, by giving out our address, like, if he gets here from Alaska, like, power. <laughs> like, <that's... laughs> and you know what? I get the rights to the script, by the way. 
because that's no, a you're long gonna be too. He has your address too. I, I want the rights to the script of whoever's gonna write that. I claim it here because that's a damn good long con. I'm out. I, I wouldn't even fight that one. He, if, if he was like, I'm Ben and I'm here to murder you, I'd be like, you got me. My name is Ben and I'm here to say it's fun <laughs> to murder in an Alaskan way. We have an email address on the show, family at cageclub.me. Joe, we have one email today, and it's it's a big one. We have new rankings from Jason Dickinson. Oh, nice. He, he sent them to me in a message, but I was I was wondering if you were going to read if he sent them in an email, too. Here's so the crazy thing. So okay. he has normally just ranked the eight movies, but this time he ranks the nine movies and the two short films. And I got to say, there's some hot takes. There's some fiery hot takes. I know he's been reviewing them again on YouTube in the yes. preparation for F9, The Road to the Fast Saga. Yes. At number 11... Last place, Fast and Furious 6. Wow. That's a hot take. No one had ever had that below 7. He's got it at 9. Because, I mean, we're not. I don't count in the yes, yeah, yeah, official yeah. rankings, the short films. But, yeah, 9. Oof. Number 10, Hobbs and Shaw. Okay, low. Okay. He had not ranked them before, but here we go. Number 9, Fast and Furious, a.k.a. the fourth one. Okay. Number 8, Los Bondoleros. Nico's favorite of anything. I like Los Bundleros, and Nico's, like we talked about on the episode, Nico's mm-hmm. appreciation for it made me love it more. Number seven, The Fate of the Furious. Oh. Number six, The Original. Wow, I thought the I thought he had that pretty high, but no, number, number six overall, I think five for movies, he's got The Fast and the Furious. Number five, Furious 7. Okay. Number four, The Turbocharged Prelude. Oh, he got that way high. He loves it. He loves it. That's true. Number three, The Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift. Okay, yeah, Tokyo Drift is great. Go ahead. Number two, Too Fast, Too Furious. We knew he loved Too Fast. He talks about it a lot. He loves Too Fast. And then number one, the most common number one overall, Fast Five. Yeah. How do you put Fast Five at the top and Fast Six at the bottom, though, buddy? Don't know. I don't, don't know. know. Truly don't know. But if you want to send in your rankings or if you want to send in a note, family at cageclub.me. Thank you, Jason, for sending those rankings. Check out his YouTube page at Movie Collector. Also, thank you, Kara and Ben, for the lovely holiday cards. Oh, I just, yes, thank you guys for that. And I just had a great idea for rankings at one point. So I have to write that in my notes. Thank Save you. it. You got to fit into an existing lap somewhere. You know the lap's coming. No, you probably don't remember. You might remember. <laughs> I think I know the lap. Yeah, I do know the lap that's coming up. I know I know what it is. I remember now. Okay. Okay. We also have a store. If you want to go to Too Fast, Too Forever shop, check that out online. T-shirts. I don't know if things are on sale right now, but you can wait for a sale. You can order one now. I am wearing currently my Denise T-shirt, so I am very excited about that. <laughs> That's so Wanted cool. to commemorate the recording sesh with this. But Joe, on the streets, news about the Fast and Furious. Is there any news that you have seen about the Fast and the Furious? No, Wonder Woman eighty-four. That's it. Lots today. Of That's lots of Wonder all Woman. we've got. Yep. Final thing to do before we take a break and talk about the bonkers insanity that is Noel is to talk about the Fast and Furious deleted scene, the original edit of the Race Wars fight scene, parentheses, extended scene. It's all on you. This is all on you. If anyone's a narc around here, you know who it is. All right. So in this deleted scene, following the fight between Dom and Johnny Tran at Race Wars, which we don't see in this scene, Johnny threatens Dom, seemingly promising vengeance and retribution. Brian looks stunned and confused. Walking away, Vince reminds Dom once again that he thinks Brian's a narc and a cop. 
Yes, which kind of takes the thunder out of it. Like, we know this. For to have Vince say it again, it's like, come on, we, we knew Vince was right when he said it at the beginning. Something interesting I noticed is, because when you watch the movie, they don't have Johnny Tran's dialogue in it. They mm-hmm. show his face, but they don't. you don't hear what he said. It always looked like he was saying something, so it's cool to know what he was saying. I mean, it's not meaningful, but it's cool to know. There's the upside that it's a mean line and it kind of sets up the end, as opposed to just like, why did he kill Jesse? Like, it feels like maybe an overreaction, but I also don't mind that he doesn't say anything. I don't know. It's a weird kind of like... I prefer the, the, no, the no dialogue menacing just face as opposed to the dialogue. Yeah, because as, for as, as impactful and as devastating a loss as Jesse dying is, like, that's kind of, no pun intended, like, takes a backseat to the Brian Dom resolution at the end of the movie, right? Like, yep. it, it all kind of triggers things, but, like, that's the big thing to take away, right? Yes. So it's it's like we talked about for the Furious 7 deleted scenes, it's like, yeah, Ramsey, you know, joining the family officially, we mat- we, we care about it, but, like, it's not as impactful as Dom coming back to life or Brian or you know, Paul dying in real life, right? Yes, so. exactly. So this is an alternate version of Minute 76. Uh, Race Wars is Minutes 70 to 76 of the actual movie. In the deleted scenes commentary, Rob Cohen says that this was left on the chopping room floor because if instead of leaving at the peak emotion, which you're saying is sort of the smoldering Johnny Tran. Yeah. Rob Cohen says, we went into this where the crowd dispersed, and so did the energy. So You felt that. I felt that, too. Like, as the crowd disperses, you're like, okay, everything I'm supposed to care about is no longer here, right? Like, it, it actually sucks the energy out of the shot. I agree with that. The shocking thing about this deleted scene is at the very, very, very end, we finally get some music. This is the first time in any of these bonus deleted extended scenes ah. we've gotten music in the movie the music that starts is Race Wars Night Rave, but it doesn't sound like that. It kind of sounds like Rockstar by Nerd, but I don't think that's it either. I don't know what this song is, but like it's a few notes and it's kind of like under sound effects and I can't tell, Yeah. but it's noteworthy that there's music at all, I think. Yeah, yeah, that is. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so that means like this was even closer to production than, than a lot of the other ones were. Yeah. Anything else of note in this? This is another short one. This is only 34 seconds. There's a white super leaving, and I wanted to send you a picture because I found something interesting, but it's blurry again. Sorry, but I'm sending you a picture of something I screenshotted, and I would like you to take a look at it because I don't know what it is. As the sh- in the shot that gets deleted of Dom walking away and Vince repeating, you know, he's, he's you know, who's a narc or whatever. I saw this thing in the tent, and I don't know what it is. And it looks like it could either be like a giant red and yellow hookah or like a lamp or something else. And I don't so know I what it is. So I bet we could we could probably figure this out because this is, it's not this angle, but we do see under that tent in the movie. Yeah. So we could probably go back because, again, as we've been saying, the, sto- the same old story here on all these deleted scenes, extended scenes, resolution is terrible. Awful. And so it's hard. It looks kind of like a tripod. Like, I don't know. Like, it looks in, like a tripod. This, could be one Low of those res. like lights, like one of those like construction lights, you know what I mean? Well, let me see if I can pull it up. Fast and Furious minute video minute 70. But I don't think we ever get that sh- that shot, you know what I mean? No, like... but we see them sitting like that chair that it's next to, we see Dom sitting in. Okay, okay, okay. I don't know that we're going to be able to tell what it is, but yes. we might be able to. This is kind of like a grab bag like there's not that much race war stuff but it's not minutes hey this is letty's race jesse's race i don't know where this would be we can look back when we when we um when we oh by the way reminder yeah on saturday january 2nd we are doing the watch along for the first movie so when we watch along let's all look for that thing and see what it is good call see if we even get a shot of it like that because that's like it's a weird angle because it's like 
looking in from a direction that we don't see them when they're sitting there because we kind of look from the other angle. So I don't right. know if we will be able to see it or not, but you're right. Yep. Anything else about this deleted scene, extended scene? No, I was very, I was very curious about what that thing is. That's pretty much it. Gotcha. Okay. Well, let's take a break and let us talk about the Paul Walker, Susan Sarandon, Alan Arkin, Penelope Cruz, Chaz oh, Palminteri vehicle, Noel. <laughs> episode number 155, Noel. This episode is brought to you by alivingtribute.org. Plant a tree in memory. A tree planted in someone's memory is a living tribute that benefits present and future generations and is perhaps the most fitting memorial gift of all. Shout out to alivingtribute.org. Well, shout out to a living tribute, and shout out, I guess, in, in a weird way to Cara Gale O'Regan to bring us this gift on Christmas Day. Oh talking about Noel from 2004. So I had forgotten <laughs> when I think when Kara told us about this, I remember looking on Letterboxd and the most popular review on Letterboxd, and this is a good way to ease people into the episode if they have not seen this yet. Okay. Mavez, no rev- no rating, no no stars at all, says, things this movie has that I can't believe it really has. Robin Williams? Robin Williams number one. <laughs> Knew it. Green light. I don't know that exactly. I don't know. Like a green light? Like they greenlit it? Maybe, maybe. Okay. A plot about reincarnation. Yeah. A plot about a man trying to relive his best Christmas, which consists of him breaking a bone and spending Christmas Eve at a hospital. On purpose. Paul Walker and Penelope Cruz playing a couple with zero chemistry. (laughs) True. Yeah. Susan Sarandon's character fucking a ghost slash god metaphor played by Robin Williams. (laughs) Also true. And then she thanks her friend Daniel for picking this movie to start the Christmas marathon. It is both the worst and best movie experience of my life, and I can't wait to forget it exists. Yes, and that's the top letter. That's not Kara's, right? Yeah, that was just like the top no, letter. No, Kara's, and I, I, will, I will try to... It's, it's <laughs> what? <laughs> yes. We talk a lot about a podcast that you like that I don't listen to, though, that's called How Did This Get Made? And yep. I thought when, when I was watching this movie, I was like, this is probably the most appropriate movie for How Did This Get Made? That's the main question I had watching this movie is just how did this, literally, how did this get made? I don't know. So this was directed by Chaz Palminteri, yep. who is an in actor it. that we know from a bunch of things. He specifically for us was in A Guide to Recognizing Your Saints. He played, I think, Shia's dad. dad. Shia's dad, yeah. Also, Shia's been canceled, which is unfortunate for our, our history, but that's yep. shitty on what he did. He's yep. also, Chaz Palminteri, in the movie Running Scared, which we did not cover and probably will not, but that's a movie that was remade that Paul Walker was in. Oh, okay. Okay, so he had a little uh, a little Paul Walker connection going already. But that's after this. So I was like, maybe that's how he got him. Because it's not like Chaz Palminteri is like an unknown quantity. Like, people know him. Yeah, So it's not like sure. Paul Walker's like, hey, you should hire Chaz Palminteri. It's like, yeah, we know. I can see if that came out before this, and then maybe they, they bonded on set or whatever. Like, he'd be like, hey, you want to be in my movie? And Paul's like, yeah, sure. But, like, this came first. Like, I have like there's I don't think there's any connection there other than just, like, coincidence. Okay. Written by a guy who's, like, written no other movies, I don't think. I actually want to look why. up, because I didn't look up if he had done TV or not. Written by David Hubbard. <laughs> he wrote a screenplay for a movie called Delivering Milo, Milo, and then this. And then he created a TV movie called Widow Detective. And then he wrote five episodes of a TV series called Reckoning, which came out 
in the last couple years. But that's all. I don't know who this guy is. I don't know where David Hubbard came from. I literally don't know how it was made. But the weirdest behind-the-scenes thing I could find, because there is almost, as you can imagine, nothing. No writing about this online. Which is crazy for the cast. Like, we were just talking, like, you heard us in, when you just were talking about the review. This is an insane cast. Pretty big. Yeah. The weirdest thing behind the scenes, though, is that this music, the composer for this, is this guy Alan Menken. And this is the first time, I mean, he has gone on since to do other things, but the first time he wrote music for a movie that was not distributed nor produced by Walt Disney Studios. So if you do not know the name Alan Menken, he composed the scores for movies such as what? The Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, no. Aladdin, Pocahontas, The Hunchback of Notre Dame, and Tangled. Oh, and also, by the way, Noel, a movie where Susan Sarandon fucks a ghost. <laughs> Do you think he, like, just gave up after this? They were like, he was like, look, maybe I'll do, like, a real movie. And they're like, well, we got this Jazz Bob and Terry movie. Robin Williams is going to be in it with Susan Sarandon and Paul Walker. And he's I like, don't know. He's like, I'll give it a shot. And then it came out, and he was just like, fuck. I don't know. I did not enjoy this movie. Like, I, I enjoyed the wackiness of it, but, like, it is a long 96 minutes. I was expecting, when we did Zack Attack, we did New Year's Eve. A kind of similar movie, I think. There's fewer stories here, but it's a similar kind of vignette story. Vignette story, you're going back and forth. It's really like five small stories happening at the same time, and they kind of are passing each other on the way, right? In New Year's Eve, it was a little bit more disjointed to its benefit. This was was running them so concurrently, they weren't handing off a baton. And I felt like in New Year's Eve, you would get like, you know, Zeph in it at one part, or maybe he was the through line because he was the messenger, right? But like, a lot of times you would like see a character and they would, you would just get like their part of the story and then you would just like leave them behind, right? And this one is like, no, they're all kind of, they're trying to do like a, like a crash, you know, meta, everything is acting between each other type situation. And it is just a lot, a lot of moving parts, and it, it somehow drags. I think the issue is that they're trying, like what you kind of were saying, is they're trying to connect things in a way, but they don't actually spend the time to connect them. Like the Susan Sarandon stuff only overlaps at all with the Paul Walker stuff because she like, and I'm, I'm a little fuzzy on this because I watched half an hour last night. Oh. I'm like, I can't, I can't watch more. And then I went oh, to yeah. bed. She like crashes a party of Penelope Cruises. I have no idea. I okay, so I didn't down... miss something. It's just like it just it, it's not explained. I looked down to take a note on my phone. I looked up Susan Sarandon's in a house. She walks into a house that Penelope Cruz is sitting in crying, and they have a conversation. And I thought, because earlier in the movie, Susan Sarandon says, I'm making Christmas Eve dinner for 35 people when she meets her friend, which apparently she was just lying about. She says this, so I'm like, oh, okay, cool. We just, like, cut to the Christmas Eve dinner, and somehow Penelope Cruz, like, knows her somehow, right? She's part of the publishing company, blah, 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 who knows. Susan Sarandon apparently just walked into this house full of people... She's the only white lady in, like, a Latin Christmas. Yes, but they accept her as she walked in. Like, Penelope Cruz tells her she thinks she's pregnant. People are handing her kids. Well, you heard you heard the big line in here that directs, really, like, re- re- directly to you, right? What did they say? Somebody from Pittsburgh? Yeah, you, you're Pedro's friend from Pittsburgh. And, like, Pedro's not a character we know. Yes, yes. So but they, they were just, like, they were just expecting a white lady from Pittsburgh to show up. <laughs> yes. And they, like, this white lady shows up. They're like, yeah, come on in. You're probably the white lady from Pittsburgh. Yeah. So then eventually she's like, I'm going to go to the bathroom. They're like, cool. They have, like, this brain explosion moment where she walks in. They're like, oh, no, you're not Lena or whatever, Linda. That's not you. And she's like, oh, sorry. 
and just like walks out like she didn't like duck out the back she's like she was gonna like fully commit to this dinner until they were like you're just a random white lady you're not even the random white lady we were looking for like i think this movie could have worked better if they never leave the hospital which i think new year's eve kind of tries to do with new year's eve does it with robert de niro but like they leave like remember because they go like oh my god michelle pfeiffer and zach efron they got that pool like the date at the pool or like they're all over the place but like i feel like if they had never left this ER. Like, if the guy who wants to have a party in the ER shows up and then leaves and then comes back with a broken arm, like, we don't need to see him go to an abandoned, rundown theater, meet Chasma Palmicherry with, like, crazy long hair and a crazy beard who, like, breaks people's hands and then he shows back up. Like, if we... If we see him there, and then we see him leave, we see him come back with a broken hand, you're like, oh, shit, like, he did something dumb to be here. Like, we get that. We don't need to see, like, him meeting the devil. Susan Sarandon's there because her mother is dying, and she's, like, she doesn't want to be away from her, right? But, like, she could go meet Robin Williams, who she thinks is, like, this just normal dude visiting his father. Turns out he is his father, or whatever, and, like, lying in bed, like, all losing hair and, like, looking really rough, worse for wear. They could go have their date or whatever, like, in the chapel or something. Like, all of this could take place the cafeteria the cafeteria it would give more of a reason for like these kind of disparate stories to sort of work right like penelope cruz is a nurse or something and paul walker brings somebody to the hospital and like sees like another nurse flirting with her but like it just they're so disjointed in a way that never feels cohesive in a way that the movie really wants them to be i agree i think that if we would have set this as the doctor who's the cop from the Wire. What's I forget his name. Rawls in the Wire. Yeah, Rawls in the Wire. If Rawls in the Wire, who's like the doctor of Susan Sarandon's mom, if the movie was him as the main character, and we just keep like walking through rooms in the hospital, yeah. we could have had like a really nice situation where this might have worked better, and it would have left you pieces that would have been weird, and like we, you know, maybe we could have left for a little bit to go see Susan Sarandon's house with Robin Williams. Or we could have left, you know, for like a little bit here and there. But yes, you're right. If the hospital was more of the main setting, it could have flowed a lot better. Because the other the other big storyline, and storyline is very heavily in quotes, is every dude in this movie basically be like, yo, bro, I'm not gay. Who are you calling gay? It, oh I'm not God. gay. Or, on the other side, some, like, Brian, Paul Walker, I don't even know his name in the movie, I just wrote down Brian. Mike, Brian Mike. Seen Penelope Cruz with somebody and be like, yo, why are you hitting on my wife? And he's like, dude, I am gay. It's like, wait, what? Like, that's the plot of Brian. Like, that's Paul Walker's story. It's like understanding homosexuality. <laughs> Which is pretty much his story in Fast and the Furious too, right? <laughs> Except this time he has a New York accent. A really, really strained attempt at a New York accent. It's a TV New York accent. It is a hundred percent a TV New York accent, and it's it's not good. It just it's like it's every some words. It's not bad, but it's not good. It's this weird kind of like I see what you're doing, and like it's not great, but I'm I'm okay. Just go with it. Like I think <laughs> yeah, he's it's like it's fine. There's bigger issues to worry about here. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. If if the movie was perfect, other than the, like this, it would have been a very glaring issue. In the sense that like you and I live close enough to New York that like nobody has a half a New York accent, right? Like nobody's like, oh, I pronounce some of the words like a New Yorker, but like the rest of them, I sound like I'm California. It's like no, you have like you have the accent or not, right? Do you live on Staten Island or you talk like a normal person? <laughs> yes, that's what I'm saying. So it was like this very in between. But yes, I was very very. Confused by 
the whole Paul Walker storyline, which is just dealing with homosexuality in the sense that he's like, I meet this guy because he. <laughs> so the Paul Walker story is he goes. There's two, there's two halves of his story. The one that I'm focusing on is the diner half with mm-hmm. the grandfather from Little Miss Sunshine, Alan Arkin. Alan Arkin, yes, yes one of the finest actors of our generation or the, his generation or whatever. I thought that he was like the Greek owner of the diner, but no, he's a waiter. He sees Paul Walker come in. And starts, like, smiling at him. Mm-hmm. Okay? In uniform with his police partner. The two cops, Paul Walker and the other actor that plays the other cop, yep. are chatting. Instead of them, he's like, do you recognize this guy? He looks like he notices, like, he looks like he knows you. And they're like, oh, he's making eyes at you. And I'm like, no, he's not. It looks like somebody that you'd be like, hey, I, I've seen this guy before. So instantly, what did you, did you have a, like, a thought of, like, who this, this what this concept was going to be? Me? Yeah, did you have like no. a, like you well, see you see them like him making eyes at him, Paul Walker there, something popped into my head. Did you think anything of this? Like what what were you like, "Oh, they're going to like they're this is going to be this." What is do you had any <sighs> thoughts? I don't know if I thought it at this point, but like my, literally so my, so my first note for the movie is just shitting on the credits like the opening like the actual font in the opening credits I'm like this is this is a bad movie already like just I don't okay. want to prejudge a movie but I was like this is a weird thing then my second note is Robin Williams exclamation point is he a ghost my first thought in this movie is Robin Williams is a ghost which is right okay. so by that point I'm already in my head like oh there's supernatural shit going on even though it doesn't really <laughs> reveal itself to the end I think at some point I don't know if it's the diner or not that Alan Arkin is the ghost of Paul Walker's Christmas future. Oh, that's good. I thought that it was going to be way more simple, and he was like, I thought, first, I thought he was going to be his dad, that, like, somehow Paul Walker doesn't have a father, or his father left. Okay. He recognizes him, he's looking at him, right, and the cops are arguing about if this very old man is making googly eyes at a young young Paul Walker because he wants to approach him for a date, and you're like... No. And then they're like, oh, yeah. But then Paul Walker's like, well, he would look at me. And the other guy's like, no, guys would look at me. And I'm like, you guys need to pick a side here. Like, you can't be homophobic and mad that the guy's not looking at you. So they're like doing this weird dance about that. And he comes up to him and he's like, oh, like almond cookies. They're your favorite. Almond butter cookies. Yeah. Paul Walker, Brian orders a coffee and he brings a plate of almond butter cookies. He's like, hey, these are your favorite. And Brian goes, yeah, they are. And, like, drops it. Like, let's not think a second thing about it. It's just like, yeah, you're right. Yeah, and, like, his partner's like, do you know this guy? So I'm thinking, like, oh, it's his dad or maybe, like, an uncle, like, an estranged uncle that, you know, got in trouble. Later on, we find out he did get in trouble with the law. So I thought that it was, it was like, somebody that knew Paul Walker from a kid. He doesn't recognize the old man. The old man recognizes him from his childhood. And he's like, we need to rekindle our family connection on Christmas Eve or Christmas. Mm-hmm. And that's what I thought they were going with. No. <laughs> this is not what's happening. We find out later, Paul Wa- like he comes back to Paul Walker's house. The cop shows up with hookers. The other cop shows up with hookers to cheer Holly him up. Holly and Mary, get it, get it? Like, that's a literally, they're like, hey, you get it? Like, they're hookers with, like, seasonal Christmas names. names. But yeah. also, maybe, maybe unstereotypically for a movie, like, beautiful women. Like, I feel like, generally, like, when you bring, like, hookers, like, on Christmas Eve, like, they're going to be kind of, like, in a movie, at least, like, kind of <laughs> trashy. Like, I have zero experience in real life. I'm going to say that right now. No, like, this is not from personal experience. But I feel like in a movie, like, they're like, oh, like, they're dirty, but, like, they're going to have sex with you. Like, here, look at this. Like, but, like, he brings, like, two legitimately beautiful women who, like, are ready to bone immediately. And Paul Walker's like, no, man, I'm here with the ghost of my Christmas future. Yeah, I'm here with this old man. 
Oh, so, but it is, so it is, it, you're right, at the end, it is the Ghost of His Christmas Future, right? That is makes he? sense. I don't know. I didn't know what the fuck was happening, but when you just said that, that kind of makes sense, because it's like the no, sun's so, there. So, I think, okay, because I, I, I don't have an answer, but what we need to say is that when he's sitting down with Alan Arkin, Alan Arkin says, yes, finish I this knew part. you from the moment that I saw you, you are the reincarnation of my dead wife. And I'm like, not, like, just in my notes, I'm like, wait, what the fuck? Like, this is not where I thought this was going at all. So talk about a plot twist. That was a plot twist I wasn't ready for. I was, like, mentally prepared for a lot of shit in this movie. That and was that leads one. to a conversation between the two of them where, like, they're both like, hey, I love women. Alan Arkin's like, yeah, I love women, too. More I gay. love the woman yeah. I was married to for 50 years. She's just now you. What? Like, where, where is this going? So then eventually, Alan Arkin has, like, a, a heart attack? Like, what? How does he get to the hospital? Yes, he's he's out front. The, the cop with the hookers in the car is sitting there watching him. Yes. Penelope Cruz comes home. They have, like, this heart to heart she's like just because every like just because guys look at me doesn't mean everybody wants to sleep with me and he's like what guys and she's like this is what i'm talking about dude so he like (laughs) rages about his insecurity after he just spent 10 minutes yelling at alan arkin that i like women i really like women (laughs) one comes back and then just he's more insecure somehow he follows her downstairs and when he follows her downstairs alan arkin was still outside Alan Arkin, like, the cop's like, hey, man. And he's like, leave, you know, Alan Arkin, get out of here. And he's like, is he bothering you, man? And then he's like, no, dude, I was just trying to see my dead wife again. I was hoping she'd come down. Paul Walker's my dead wife. And then he's like, oh, I have a heart attack. And then he has a heart attack. That's Okay, because then he winds up at the hospital, and Paul Walker goes to the hospital because he's like, I'm a friend. I got to see him. And the woman's like, are you family? Which, very fast and furious. And she's, he's yes. like, no, I'm just a friend. And this very clearly, stereotypically in 2004, gay nurse is like, honey, I got it. And like, he brings Paul Walker away and like, he's like, no, like, we're not friends. The guy's like, yeah, I know. Like, that's why I'm helping you. He's like, no, we're really like, we're just like, God, okay. So, so then he brings Paul Walker up to the room and he's sitting there and his son, Alan Arkin's son comes up and he's like, did he do the almond butter cookie? You're the wife of my, you know, you're the reincarnation but of But how does wife. that work is what I, I don't, don't get. I don't know. Does, I don't know. Is almond butter cookies just like everyone's favorite cookie? Never explained. That's the big missing thread in this movie. Because <laughs> like, I will accept a world where Alan Arkin is this man who might have been married to, like, he might have been like a closeted homosexual for like 50 years. Yeah. His wife dies. We yeah. find out she dies in a car crash. Very fast and furious. She had blue eyes. Brian Brian Oof. has blue eyes. Paul Walker has the bluest blue eyes. You see so, the blue so eyes. So there's the there's the movie I Origins. I the letter I Origins with Britt Marling, where like it's all about reincarnation, like these very specific eyes, and like the eyes are actually the gateway. Like that's if you want an actual like kind of heady, introspective, like coolish movie about that, do that. Don't do this. But like I I will give this movie the benefit of the doubt that like Alan Ark was married to a woman for 40 or 50 years. She dies, and he's finally kind of quote unquote free to pursue men, which he wanted to be doing forever, and like society never allowed him or whatever. Much so, like, younger I, men, apparently. Yes. I'm okay with that, and I'm okay with him. Like, I think it's kind of funny and sad and sweet and, like, interesting that every Christmas around the time when his wife died, he, find, he like, he misses her so much that he tries to pick up a new man, and he always uses the same line. And maybe sometimes it works. So, like, I get all that. That's cool. That's fine. Where the fuck, where do the almond butter cookies come in? Like, how does that work? <laughs> I don't know. I thought it was more like he's trying to like run a scam for like company or money. 
and that he uses this on everyone. And I, I don't think that it was specifically like young men. I think that his son was just like, oh, he uses this like once a Christmas. He finds some somebody that looks lonely or like lost on Christmas Eve. And no matter who they are, he's like, you're the reincarnated soul of my dead wife. And like, it could be a woman, anybody. Whoever he's sexually attracted to. Like, so, okay. So then maybe there's a world in which he's just like the waiter at the diner we go to for coffee. And like, he's seen Alan Arkin a dozen times. And four of those times he's ordered cookies. And so Alan Arkin's kind of like long-term sort of stalking his prey, which I know is a terrible <laughs> metaphor here because I don't want to like associate like gay men with like, like, I don't want to do that. It's not like, predatory. Yes, yes, he's yes. like He's picking up on clues because he's, he's attracted to Paul Walker. Okay. But like, he turns Do you think he and, actually is attracted to Paul Walker? How can you not be? I mean, yes, that's true. But I'm saying that I think he's running a different type of scam. I don't see any part of this scam that is sexual. I think that he's just looking for company and or money from Paul Walker. And he's trying to run a scam on him that is not like I'm trying to hook up with him. Maybe. Yeah, I wasn't getting this like he's trying to hook up with Paul Walker thing. I think it was just like he was like, oh, it kind of like the choke situation, right? Like, you know, you choke in a, a in a restaurant and then the guy's like attached to you, right? Like if you say this... You can, like, make a friend by being like, oh, you remind me of my my wife used to do the same thing. And, like, now all of a sudden you have this, like, weird attachment to somebody that you didn't, and all he's looking for is company because his family doesn't like him, and you now have somebody that you're like, this is my soulmate, right? I guess. I don't know. Or there's another alternative where, like, he's just a crazy old man who's just, like, doing doing crazy things and saying crazy things, but also it doesn't explain the almond butter cookies. No, none of this explains how he knew Paul Walker's favorite cookie. And almond butter's not, like, this is a rare cookie. I don't know that I've ever had an almond. Like I'm neither have I. But like I don't know that I've had an almond butter cookie. So it's not like oh yeah, these are my favorite. But like yeah, okay, I'll yeah. I'll, I mean, I love cookies. Okay, if you went like chocolate chip. But it has to be like I think the point is like it's something very specific. But like again, there's no reason why he would know. There's no reason. It doesn't make any sense. And how does a diner have almond butter cookies like on deck? Maybe he made them at home and brought them in and just put them on a diner plate. But like, where are you ordering? I've never ordered. I've never seen almond butter cookies at a bakery. Maybe maybe they're everywhere. We're just not ordering. Them. I don't think so, dude. M&M, chocolate chip, sugar, frosted, blah, 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 every, cinnamon, I mean, like, gingerbread. If it was gingerbread, right? Cool. I would have even been sold on gingerbread, but almond butter? Like, is this, like, a New York thing that, like, um, that I missed out on or something? I've never How seen them there. How common are almond butter cookies? Let me know, Google. No, these are just all recipes. That didn't help at all. Yeah, I don't know, man. So the other half of Paul Walker's story, of Brian's story, is that he's engaged to Penelope Cruz, who is deeply in love with him, and he's so in love with her that she says too in love with her, because every time he sees her with another man, he freaks out and gets very angry and jealous. That's healthy. To the point where, like, we cut back to their apartment, and she's there with a guy, and they're decorating the tree, and, like, again, because it's 2004, clearly, stereotypically gay, right? Like dressed really nice and with the hair all like it's it's just like decorating the tree yes for her what 2004 society thought a gay man looked like right it's just like that's this dude and i get that like we have the benefit of hindsight we also know it's a movie but like paul walker comes in and it's just like who the fuck are you and pushes this dude without even like skipping a beat through the tree essentially tree falls to the ground and he's like dude i'm gay also, just in the like grand scheme of things, if your wife is cheating on you, would she be cheating on you with a man on Christmas Eve by decorating the tree with him? Like, is wouldn't you come in and be like, oh, is this your cousin or something? Like, who's this guy? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like it's not like like they were like naked in the bathroom together. You know what? I, like, this is like the most 
innocent, like, you come home, there's a guy decorating your tree, and your wife is fine, like, in the kitchen. And also, the other, quote-unquote, evidence that he had was that he drops, so, like, when he the dropped, first time we yes. see him, he pulls up next to her, she's walking on the sidewalk, he's like, ma'am, I'm gonna give you a lift, and, like, I'm like, they're very clearly together, like, this is kind of, like, real, like, role-play shit, right? And it is. Um, this movie is not hard to figure out unless there's almond butter cookies involved. He picks her up, and, like, they're talking or whatever, they go back to their place, they have sex, they dance a little bit, they do a little bit of a cha-cha-cha, so shout out to the first movie a little bit. He drops her off, right? And then she walks inside this building, she's meeting a friend for lunch, just on the entrance of this building, by glass doors, she, like, very friendly embraces this guy, like, with a big hug. And does, like, a kind of side, and does, like, a kind of side cheek kiss, side cheek kiss. And, like, Paul Walker gets so angry. And then when he sees this guy at their apartment, he's just like, fuck you, like, we're done, right? Whatever. (laughs) If you're having an affair and you know that your fiancé, who is a jealous man, drops you off for lunch, are you going to be that overt about it to have, to give this guy a hug and a kiss in the doorway? in front of Paul Walker. This is everything that I'm saying. They they turned him up to 11 on, like, the jealous boyfriend scale. Mm-hmm. It's, like, oozing out of him at all points. Like, they were just like, be more jealous about this. And you're like, okay. And then, like you said earlier, she thinks she might be pregnant, and she tells Susan Sarandon, a stranger, about this. That just wandered into her house. That wandered Which actually into... kind of might make sense. Like, if you, like, have some, like, really heavy shit, you might be like, hey, like, I know you don't know me. Like, I just need to tell somebody, right? And she's, like, panicked and whatever. And she's like, I can't really have kids. Like, the doctor said, like, you know... It's unlikely, but I might be pregnant, and she takes the test, and I think it's negative, but then eventually she, like, gets a positive test at the end, and, like, that's what gets them back together. She, like, comes back, she's like, we're having a baby, let's get married, and, like, oh. Yeah, and they're getting married in a week, too, so they're getting married, essentially, on, like, New Year's Day. Yep. The Paul Walker story is so weird. He is a cop, though, which is very Paul Walker of him. Yep. Whenever he pulled up in, like, the full cop car in a cop suit, and was like, I'm a cop, and I was like, oh, he says something at one point, when he's, like, talking to Penelope Cruz like near the end and he's like look like I'm just jealous because like I know that like you are a paralegal and there's like lawyers and rich men out there and like I'm insecure about like my position and why would you ever like me because I'm just a cop and I was like Vince knew it the whole time <laughs> like that's all I could think is just Vince in the background like Dom I told you he's a cop like just so weird so so weird is there anything else about Paul Walker's story about Brian's story about whatever Mike his story like because I want to talk about Susan Sarandon's story but like is there anything else about the Paul Walker side of this movie that you want to talk about I don't think anything else really happens in the Paul Walker I think no. he, yeah. he's like he hangs out at the hospital with Alan Arkin even after he finds out that he might have been scamming him and then Paul Walker plays I forgive like he plays into the role of being his dead ex-wife at some point for whatever reason yeah i don't i don't understand it he like looks at him and he's like i forgive you for what you did because like alan arkin apparently like you know killed some killed his wife's lover by pushing her down the steps or apparent lover and then she leaves him and he goes to jail whatever but like paul walker looks at him and is like i forgive you and like pretends to be this man's dead wife that he claims that he saw in him that the kid knows about that he's running this scam but he also likes almond butter cookies which is weird because how would you know that it's wild that that, that whole storyline was wild the other side of this is that susan sarandon has essentially given up her life to like spend the last sort of remaining days with her mom who spoiler by the end of the movie moves her hand wakes up from this coma i'm like of course she does why wouldn't you <laughs> yep so she is susan sarandon she's like this beautiful sort of middle-aged woman and people are like you need to fuck someone because you have spent all of your time <laughs> literally 
this literally all your time with your mom, and you need to go have sex with the dude. By the way, Daniel Sunyata, this beautiful, handsome, you know, guy like I've seen for a bunch of different stuff. I think he was in Rescue Me. He was in Graceland. He's a bunch of different things. Yep. This guy who is basically the chiseled perfection of beauty wants to fuck you you should go do that and he's younger too this is like a very the the age play in this movie is wild so she's probably like what they maybe 55 50 55 and he's probably like 30 ish right but like they're both adults like they're both like i'm not saying there's anything wrong with that but i'm saying like like she even acknowledges that he's like they're visibly there's there's an age gap right like not even like oh like she's a little bit older he's he's like she could be his mom yes that's what i'm saying it's like cougar status of where the age range is but like it's reverse like whatever like it's she's not preying on him she's just like fine this is fine yeah they go out and they have kind of an awkward dinner and like at the end of the dinner she's like what do you want do you want to go see a movie he's like no i don't want to see a movie she's like you want to go walk he's like yeah it's getting cold he's like don't you live around here so they go back to her place and he almost immediately gets pretty rapey and just like like, we should have sex right now. And she's like, I don't really want to. This is moving too fast. And he's like, how about I just kiss you? And he has to, like, push up against a wall, too. It's yeah. like, it's a very threatening position. I and this dude is also probably, like, 6'4", and, like, yeah. 250, and, like, he's, like, The Rock light, right? Like, he's, like, <laughs> Diet, he's yeah. not crazy The Rock ripped, but he's, like, he's on the verge of that. Like, he's got the same kind of frame and build. And oh, yeah, yeah. And she's Susan Sarandon. She's like, okay, I'll, I'll you know, I can kiss you, but, like, when I say stop, you stop. And he's like, yeah, I will. She's like, you mean it? He's like, yeah. So he kisses her. And like, after like two or three seconds, she's like, stop. And he like goes into a fury and then like storms out. And he's like, it's not you. It's me. He's like, yeah, it is you. And then we just never see him again. (laughs) Nope. That was the end of that. Yeah. But that's not even the weirdest part of the Susan Sarandon story. No, that's like the normal part of it. That's the, this is the normal. We're, we're building. Also, who goes on a date on Christmas Eve? This is Christmas Eve, right? Yeah, because it's because the kid broke his hand. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. This is all on Christmas Eve. This is Christmas Eve. So she has a date on Christmas Eve that she made that day. Mm-hmm. Asks him if he wants to go see a movie on Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. Stumbles into a random house and then winds up back at the hospital seeing her mom. And then also, let's not forget, goes to an open mic storytelling moth-like competition. Oh God! Where they're like. Tell us why you hate Christmas. Like, that's the theme of the night. Like, we're all miserable people who hate Christmas. We're all here because we don't want to celebrate the holiday. We don't have a family, whatever. Tell us why you hate it. And she tells this terrible story about how, like, she was married or had a boyfriend or whatever. And they had a kid. And the kid was beautiful. But the kid was born stillborn. And, like, it's this devastating, gut-wrenching story that, like, essentially, she had tried to do the, quote-unquote, normal thing, like what she's supposed to do. Yeah. Have a husband. Have a kid. Whatever. Kid died. She split up whatever like you see and, why she's and then, alone and then some guy in the audience is like cool lady but what's that have to do with christmas and it's like very obviously as she says because it happened on christmas and the whole room goes silent <laughs> and it's like fuck like of course it did like why yes, would, yes. that's but also point. you don't hear a woman tell that story and then be like yeah but like off topic bitch it's like <laughs> what did you Exactly. Yes, that too. That's what I'm saying. Wrap it up here, lady. The crazy. So then, she- that's all on Christmas Eve too. <laughs> then she goes to kill herself. She like goes to the river and like gets. Well, up she on goes the to ledge. the hospital first. She goes to the hospital because she want she wins the tree for shittiest Christmas story. Because now you have to give her the tree. She won yes. the prize, obviously. Mm-hmm. Duh. And she's so also she- drunk. She's drunk and she's at the hospital drunk. We stumble into to Rawls like asking her mom permission to date her daughter like you're like oh wow an age-appropriate man that's a doctor that's caring for your mom and apparently likes you and she's like i'm drunk and he's like cool bye <laughs> it's like leaves 
nothing to come of that, right? And she tries to plug in this tree that she won, and it won't light. So she just smashes it and then goes, go ahead. Yeah, so she goes to the river to kill herself, and she gets up on the ledge, and all of a sudden, Robin Williams is there. It's like, (laughs) of course he's a ghost. Like, if, if he's not a ghost, if you're not surprised by now, like, at the end, I was like, is anybody surprised he's a ghost? So he shows up and, like, effectively talks her off the ledge. By telling her that he's a priest that quit the priesthood. Yep. Because he stopped believing in God and talks her off the ledge. And then it's like, let's go bang. Yes. And so they go back to her house or his house or somewhere. And she's like, all I want to do is make it through the night. And, like, they're counting down. They're watching the, the Yule Log. And they're just, like, having, like, an old people like not old people but like you know old people yeah. just like a very calm like not getting pressed up against a wall and almost getting raped by a chiseled dude right like it's <laughs> exactly. just like this is a very peaceful christmas eve they make it through the night they have sex she then goes to the hospital the next morning well, she wakes up wait you missed it she wakes up and she finds one of the most beautiful fascinations in this movie is a cross chain mm. a silver cross chain left behind in the bed I mean, if that's not Letty and Dom, I don't know what is. But go ahead. So then she shows up to the hospital again. Before she goes to see her mom, she goes to Robin Williams' room. Or she's like, hey, you know that that old man in there? Like, he always has, like, this. his son visits him. Like, you know, I'm looking for him. And very classic Twilight Zone. Like, no one has ever visited that old man. <laughs> There's no one by that name. Actually, that name is the old man. And she goes in there, and it's Robin Williams with his full hairy arms and, like, no hair on his head. Like, just, like, patchy hair. I'm like, this is, like a horrific makeup job. Yep, very bad. Oh my god, I did fuck a ghost. And then goes back to her mom's room, Doctor, and like, Dr. Rawls, Rawls from The Wire is in there, and just like, talking to her mom, like, do you think, again, mom in a coma, do you think your daughter will go out with me? She's so beautiful, I'm in love with her. I want to, I want to marry her. He's like, oh, I was just, you know, I was just saying things, like, you know, just <laughs> talking to people. It's, it's, um, it's, what is it, bedside manner? I just, that's all and I was trying to And then she's like, do. what's your name? And he's like, Matthew, or whatever. She's like, cool, let's hang out, or whatever. Like, they're gonna have a date. And then <laughs> the mom wakes up and grabs her wrist. It's like, oh. And ostensibly, this doctor is now working on Christmas as well. He worked all Christmas Eve and Christmas. Yeah, he's doing, like, a double, like, through the entire movie. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's the same doctor, and he's there all the time. And that's how the movie ends, right? Yeah. Yep. That's it. Yeah, that's just the end of the movie. Robin Williams was a ghost, and... So what's the moral? Like, what are we supposed to learn? <laughs> I don't know, dude. I don't get this movie. I'll take it back to the beginning. When I was watching this movie, the only thing I could think is, how did this get made? That there's many people on this set, people that have been in other movies... And multiple people on the set read the script. This isn't like the room where Tommy Wiseau was hiding the script. Like, these are real actors. I'm sure that they read the script, got sent the script, and they were like, yep, on board. I mean, Chaz Palminteri seems likable, so maybe you just say yes to him. And maybe this was like him me. This is what I was th- This is the other thing I was thinking. I was like, if you're like a semi-successful guy and kind of likable, I think you could pretty much accomplish anything you put your mind to. This is like bad from the jump, right? Like the script is bad. The plot is bad. Well, the, the, the good dialogue- thing I will say, I will, I will cut in here. I'm glad for his sake he did not write and direct this. Like, if this was, like, I always had this idea for a Christmas movie. I don't know where the script came from, but, like, I'm just kind of glad, like, this wasn't, like, I have an idea for a movie. This is my baby. We're going to make it work. It just kind of feels like... project. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It kind of feels like, oh, there's this other guy with a script. Like, let's make this movie. Like, this is the opportunity I have to direct. I want to do this. Like, maybe, you know, they're best friends. I don't know. But, like, it's not, like, written and directed and produced and starring Chaz Palminteri. Exactly. it's he's a minor role in the movie and then he directed the movie and that's it so like i give him i'm not uh you don't feel bad for him yeah, yeah exactly but yeah this is i'm just like how did this get made 
Uh, you're right. What is the moral of this story? I guess it's like just to to be weary, to be wary on Christmas that there might be ghosts. That's what I took away from it. Ghosts are real. Christmas has magic spirits that could be helping your life. Because what else did you learn? Nothing. You don't. I mean, you don't learn anything. I think a movie like this and the box art is like it kind of feels like a Christmas movie for the whole family, kind of. And then it's like it's not. No, it's about rape and death and comas and like jealousy jealousy it's like this is like a it's probably rated pg or pg-13 but like kind of dealing with like r-rated themes it's a weird i don't yeah, know yeah it's very yeah. weird it did go to theaters though it made two million dollars in theaters that's so. not much but it's, it's more than i would think it would be to be honest really yeah not with this cast and if they released it like on black friday or something you would have got two million dollars worth of people going to see this right it's like no because like you have to keep in mind that this is not a movie that's gonna be in four thousand screens like it's not like it's an avengers level thing it's like this just got a small run and there's probably like one or two show times a day oh no it never actually it never came out in america it didn't it made two million dollars in italy and then, like, a couple hundred thousand dollars elsewhere around the world. Like, I don't think this movie was ever made to be released in theaters in America. Oh, you don't? You don't make a movie and be like, we're not going to put this in theaters. Like, you have a you have a release idea in mind before it goes out. I don't know why it was released in Italy. Maybe because of the Chaz Palminteri thing? I don't know. I don't know either. Maybe it was Italian-produced? I don't know. But, like, it's not like they make a movie, they're like, woof, we're not going to release this. Like, you put it out in theaters, and, like, that's when it makes $4,000. Like, you still have, like, contracts with stuff. This was, I believe, probably just, like, meant to always be a straight-to-movie, straight-to-video in America that got released theatrically in, like, six other countries. That might make sense. That's fair. Because it came out... It was, like, straight to VOD, like, or straight to DVD. Because these guys are all kind of past their primes, right? Like, there was, like, a lot of, like, A-list names, and, like, we're gushing over the cast, but... Here's the other thing. That, like, when you see, and this is almost always the case, and I, I, I don't want to generalize like this, but I found it's almost always true. When you find a movie that has, like, four or five or six or seven people, you're like, holy shit, how are all these people in the movie, and I've never heard of it, the movie is bad. Yes. Like, if those people were in a movie that was good... Everyone would know it because it's like, oh, look at all these people. But it's like, like, how are eight of my favorite alt comedy people from L.A. in the same movie that like I've never heard of? Oh, because it's just not very funny. Like whatever happened, it just didn't work. And they like, don't bury it, but like they don't really release it. If this movie were good, you'd be like, oh, yeah, cool. It's the Susan Sarandon Alan Arkin movie or whatever. Right. Like, yep. no, it's just you can get people in a movie like you can get names if you pay them, pay them enough money or like pull enough strings or have enough favors. But I wish there was more, but there's no information. But it never as far as I can tell, never hit theaters in the U.S. Weird, man. There's something about a 48-hour trial DVD, but I don't know what that means. You can buy a DVD and it self-destructs in 48 hours? I don't know. I have no I idea. I don't know either. The only interesting tidbit on IMDb about this was that Susan, this movie shot in Montreal, but it takes place in New York. Susan Sarandon was living in New York, and so every time when she needed to shoot, she would fly from New York to Montreal. It was a 45-minute flight. But one time, there was a blizzard, and it took her 14 hours. Can you imagine being like, yeah, I'll be in your movie, but I'm going to live in New York. I'm just going to fly there every day. Fly me That's there. crazy. I think Susan Sarandon's big enough to do it, but yeah, that's pretty badass, but right? Is she flying private like is she like how bad for the environment her flights were to make this movie i think she probably had like a nice business class flight she probably like left flew first on like air canada or united and there's a direct flight from new york to montreal because she's like doing it like every day right so do you have any other thoughts about noel we didn't get to mention we like talked about the shot but like the only thing that i want to add is When her and Penelope Cruz go to this bar to do the the shitty Christmas story time, Mm -hmm. Penelope Cruz goes, I honestly don't know if I'm pregnant. 
And Susan Sarandon looks at her and goes, well, you have to take a test to find out. Like, she, yeah. like, explained being a woman to her, and I think that's one of the most beautiful lines I've ever seen in a movie, that, like, somebody got away with writing this dialogue and convincing them to perform it like that. It was great. Like, she had to explain pregnancy tests to a woman who... It does feel like a lot of this movie was written by a person who's never interacted with other people. Yes, that's what I'm saying. So so that was, like, one of the glaring, like, one of my favorite ones that came out of that. All right, let's watch the trailer. I don't know what this is going to be. Ooh. It's two minutes and five seconds long. Noel trailer uploaded by Popcorn Flicks in 2014. So a decade after this movie came out, Popcorn Flicks was like, we should really put this trailer up. 152,000 views. Okay, I'm ready whenever you are. Give me a... Three, two, one, play. Rose Harrison. I'm sure. Tell me everything. Oh yeah, and this lady lived in Hartford too, which was funny to me. Oh, and she's lying about her family and lying like she's like, I'm a normal person. But like, you know, you could just be like, oh, my mom's sick and I'm taking care of her. Be like, oh, I owe you an explanation. Who are you? It's just very hard for me to get the words. Are they gonna say it in the trailer who he who he says he is? Because that would be. This was a very Mia-type situation when they both just, like, wake up in the bed. They oh, kind of quadruple spaced it. Okay this morning, yeah. She's also kind of got, like, a, uh, a Latin Jordana Brewster vibe a little bit. I thought the same thing the whole movie, yeah. Four strangers will enter each other's lives. Oh, here we go. He's got a thing for you. See? There we go. Forever. Who is that guy, Nina? <laughs> <laughs> and she, sa she says, he's a tree decorator. It's like, well, okay. When was the last time you spoke to your mother? Yeah, I have a mother. I'm sure she'd love to hear from you. So this guy was in the hospital at one point in the past, and there was a Christmas party on Christmas Eve. And it's like, I'm just chasing that high again, I guess? <laughs> yeah, it was the best day of his life, he said it. It's time that you stop taking care of everybody else and start thinking about yourself. Like my grandma always used to say. I'm so sorry. You need to get sorry fucked. For what? For crashing your Christmas dinner, for trespassing, for I, I don't. Uh oh. I don't fit in. Me neither. If you also, how is she going to Christmas dinner without love, Paul Walker? Throw it away without he's probably working. I also do feel like she. No, he's with Alan Arkin, hanging out. <sighs> well, she walked out on him. Yeah, but like. Like, <sighs> also, by the way, Alan Arkin says that his wife had a glass-blown angel, that Paul Walker also has a glass-blown angel. Like, is that supposed to be the same angel, or just like a, hey, we both like glass-blown angels? No, because she buys a glass-blown angel for her mom at the beginning of the movie, too. Boy. They all like glass-blown angels. I have no idea. That's the through line. That's part of the moral of the story. If you want to watch this movie, it's on Tubi and Crackle and, and Voodoo and... Hate everywhere right like everywhere for free with ads as much as i pushed that you guys should definitely watch the long kiss goodnight last time i strongly suggest we sum up the entire story in this episode if that if that didn't sound like a wacky fun time experiment for you i, I think we probably made it more fun than it was so like the thing is there's like half an hour of like fun insanity and an hour of just like where is this going yep yeah the letterbox game Mad Max I'm excited Fury to play this. Road. I was sit I was unloading the dishwasher this morning and I was sitting there thinking like does anybody have this movie in their top 4? So we're I gonna I'm find out. I, uh, yeah, we're going to find out. Okay. Mad Max Fury Road, the one of the most popular films on Letterbox has been seen by 686,000 people. Okay. Noel 2004, directed by Chaz Palminteri, starring Susan Sarandon, Paul Walker, Penelope Cruz and Alan Arkin has been seen by how many people? See, this is hard because you told me that there was no theater release. But also, it's streaming on every possible platform, and people go go nuts for Christmas movies. 
and this cast is pretty deep. I'm going to go... I'm still going to shoot low. I'm going to go 4,500 people. Uh, you're too high. Uh, 2,500 people. You're still too high, but you're closer. Which is an obvious thing to say because... But yeah, but still, you're, you're not too far off, but you're still too high. Okay. Um, 
best screenplay. In 91. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. It's genuinely one of the biggest movies of all time. I, I'm sure it is. Definitely sure it is. It's part of a franchise, though I would say people would not consider it to be really part of a franchise. Like, you might not think of it as part of a franchise. Jurassic it's part Park. of a franchise. No, that's very clearly part of a franchise. Yeah, okay. It's part of a franchise, but maybe you wouldn't... It's consider- actually really kind of the second time this character has been played on screen. The first time was four years earlier. Not The Matrix, you said, right? No. That's also very clearly part of a franchise. Yeah, true. Something that is a franchise, but... This is also adapted into a TV series, and is now adapted into another TV series that just came out. Two TV series about it, too, and possibly a thriller, right? It's definitely a thriller. Okay, two TV... Thriller, horror, drama, crime. Oh, also... Fargo? Is it Fargo? No, that's 96. Also, in this movie... But it didn't win Best Picture and stuff. Okay, go ahead. Tanner from The Fast and Furious is in this movie. Tanner's in the movie? It's his most famous role. I I can't think of it. I don't know what this is. The Silence of the Lambs. Oh, God, fuck. I love Silence of the Lambs, too. Yeah, you're right. It's it's hard to give clues about that without, like, being like Hannibal Lecter, you know? Well, like, I gave you so you, many clues. You did, you, you had, did, you, you did. You had all the clues, Mr. Police. Uh, you know, you, you're absolutely right. I get it. You did a very, very good job. I couldn't think about it, though. But, yes, I, do, I fucking love Silence of the Lambs, too. So it's part of a franchise, because there's <laughs> Red Dragon... There's Hannibal. Yes, Manhunter yes, was right. first, but it's not really part of a franchise, but it's still part of a franchise, kind of. Yes, you're absolutely right. I agree. Or yep. maybe a series is a better word than franchise, but you should have been like, uh, what's the actress's name in it? What's her name? I forget. Jodie Foster. You should have been like Lady from Panic Room. Yeah, if I'm just gonna give you an actress, like that's too. I gave you so many slam dunk clues. Like, oh, I know. It was the last movie to win the Big Five. Tanner as Buffalo Bill. Like, yes, yes, you're right. You're right. Fuck, I forgot Tanner's Buffalo Bill though. We've talked about that a couple times. His lap. I. I forget all right next week we have two episodes of course okay first up on tuesday we have a very special episode that i'm not going to go into more detail on that's on tuesday very special episode and then on friday we are effectively ending the lap with jacob's ladder from 1990 you've never seen jacob's ladder right no never seen it the week after that we're gonna be doing spires to sahara so the lap's still going on but effectively like jacob's ladder was going to be the end of the lap uh and then you know they're like hey here's more spires they're like cool okay we're gonna put it at the end of the lap whatever so next week very special episode on tuesday and then jacob's ladder on friday but joe any other thoughts about anything we talked about about noel it is christmas day today if you want to say anything to the listeners merry christmas i hope that you guys all have a great christmas you're all family to us Probably don't watch Noel. Yeah, watch The Long Kiss Goodnight. Yeah, much better movie. Do that. For all things Too Fast Too Forever, you go to cageclub.me, facebook.com slash Too Fast Too Forever, or at Too Fast Too Forever on Twitter and Instagram. Email us, family at cageclub.me. Come back next week for a very special episode and Jacob's Ladder. Check out our Patreon page at TooFastTooForever.com, our store at TooFastTooForever.shop, and just send us an email, family at cageclub.me. Yeah, what'd you get for Christmas? Send us an email. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe, too. And we'll tell you all about it when we see you 